Hey, I'm Aaron. This is Paul. Well, you know, we are recording this on New Year's Eve, Paul. You know, we're standing here in Times Square waiting for the ball to drop. And Wayne and Tim are also waiting for their balls to drop right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, T- Tim and Wayne were, were both little Nancy boys and couldn't make it uh, today. So uh, you've just got the Aaron and Polly show. All right. Old school. Old school, rocking out the year with Aaron and Polly. I know. I mean, we are almost at 400 episodes right now, aren't we? Yeah, this was this will be 340, I believe. Oh, okay. So we're, we're nowhere near 400 episodes. We're, we're, we're close. We're close, Paul. We're closer we're close, Paul. than we were four years ago. That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the show, guys. You know, it, we um, last week we recorded on Christmas Eve, and... Um, you know, we talked about our hopes and 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 things that we were hoping Santa would bring us. Uh, Aaron, did Santa bring you anything good for Christmas? He brought me quite a number of good things for Christmas. Uh, you know, beyond the uh, usual selection of scotches and whiskeys that I got for Christmas uh, from various family members and friends, I also received the Art FX Kotobukiya uh, C three PO and R two D two. Oh, that's fantastic. As well as the artifacts, Kotobukiya. So you have to say it like you're a samurai, Paul. You, you have to. <laughs> the uh, Bob Kane Batman figure, which is oh. super cool. I just, is, it a, is it a figure or is it a... It's um, the statue. It's oh, okay. statue, yeah. Um, and then, let's see, what else did I get? I got a, a uh, Diamond Select original series Star Trek Tricorder. Very nice, and uh, which which you know kits me out completely. I've got the I, I now have the uh, the tricorder, the communicator, as well as the phaser. So uh, I, I am ready for an away mission, Paul. You are. I am ready. To, I am ready to be in the landing party. Um, and then I also received from the the Star Trek side of things. I received a an Air Hogs Star Trek USS Enterprise drone. You got the drone. I got the drone. I got the drone, and I've already put it on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> like a frisbee, exactly. immediately went to the roof. <laughs> yeah, I'm, at, I'm, I'm out in the backyard. You know, I've got several. I've got several. Uh, you know, things I've got to navigate around in, in the backyard. So I'm really conscious of the pool because you don't want to put it in the pool, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very conscious of our pergola that we've got back there because I don't want to put it on top of the pergola. Conscious of the trees. And while I was navigating away from all of that, I put it right up on the roof. Ah, And I was like, I think I can take off from there, but I was afraid of putting it deeper on the roof. (laughs) Where I'd actually have to get on the roof versus just getting the ladder and reaching over with the broom. (laughs) (laughs) So... Anyway, so I got it down. It's it's safe and, and, and sound. Okay. Uh, it's in dock. My, my, <laughs> under my, repair. It, it's really cool, Paul. It's, I'm sure it, it is. It's super cool. Uh, so once once my piloting skills improve a little bit, I'll uh, shoot a video of it. Uh, oh, very cool. But it's it's super cool. It's not as maneuverable as others I've played with before uh, because of the I, you know it's well balanced with the uh, the the saucer section being where the the four. Uh, uh, copters are the the four the four blades are yeah but trying to steer it with the secondary hull and the nacelles is a little weird so Mm. uh but it lights up i mean it's got lights up in the dish it's got lights in the cells lights up in the sensor array um it's pretty damn cool my the only complaint i have about it really is that the because of uh 
trying to keep it streamlined and trying to keep it, you know, uh, keep the weight reduced, the the battery life is very short. Mm. You know, so, you, so you know, you only get to play with it for about ten minutes before you got to charge it back up. That is short. That is a it, very short battery life. It is. It is. But you know, I I, I understand why because they they add so much uh, weight to it. And again, it's very light, but they add so much weight to it with the uh, secondary hull and the nacelles. Yeah, good point. But it's cool. Sounds cool. Yeah, I like it. So, what'd you get, Paul? All right. So, uh, interesting factoid. I got a surprising amount of soap for Christmas. Oh, yeah. I can tell you why, Paul. <laughs> I can tell you why. Because you you really need some scrubbing. Apparently. Um, you know, you uh, run around quite a bit. You you, you put out a, a powerful, a puissant man stink. Well, you know, so, I figured that's okay. A man, man stink, you know, smelling uh-huh, manly. I, uh-huh. I figured that's 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 a good thing. Uh, well, no. or, or stinking manly is, <laughs> stinking is, is, manly. is, is what Jen and I would say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, so, you know, I don't – so I, I've been late – I don't know, a couple of – about a year or so ago, I switched to using shaving soap instead of shaving cream. Yeah. And um, so two different people got me shaving soap this year. Like mm-hmm. one of them got me like a fancy shaving soap from that Art of Shaving store. Um, and the other one got me like a homemade, not like made in our home, but you know, like a craft fair shaving uh-huh. soap. And I was like, huh, do I need to shave? Am I unclean? Like, why did two separate people think that I needed shaving soap? <laughs> um, uh, but outside of that, I, I got the new Tomb Raider game for the PlayStation 4. Uh-huh. Um, I got some new exercise shoes. I got, um, so. I don't know if uh, you were aware of this, but Viewmaster is back in 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 kind of style. Yeah. Um, and but it 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 has converted from its original concept of you know you put the little disc in and and flip to different images to basically a VR headset. Right. You put your phone in it, and um, you you kind of have a little VR thing, and you can control it with the with the little knob on the side. They have a Batman animated series, Viewmaster. Oh, really? Uh, featuring the voices from the series and kind of an interactive adventure set in the world of Batman, the animated series. So I got that. Mm-hmm. Very excited about that. And uh, perhaps the, the biggest, coolest item I received was a beer fridge. Oh, wow. I got a beer fridge, Aaron. Yay for you. Yes. Now, uh, is, is it one of those like half-size beer fridges like you know, you'd put in your dorm room or, or how big is it? Um, I mean, it's not a dorm room fridge. It's a probably, I don't know, three-ish feet tall. Okay. Um, which I guess is a half fridge. I mean, but it's it's got a, a glass front um, with like nice. a blue light that illuminates the interior. Uh-huh. You know, temperature controlled so that I can age beers appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a very nice fridge, and I'm super excited about it. Excellent. Yes. Well, I need to come over. I'm very thirsty. Yes. Well, there there is plenty of beer in there. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, actually, you know, you mentioned Scotch, and I wanted to to mention to you last that last night um, I live in the Virginia Beach area of Virginia. I think we talked about that uh, a number of times. Uh-huh. And, and they recently opened a, a new Irish pub called uh, Grace O'Malley's. Uh-huh. And um, when next time you're in town, I'll have to take you here. They have a, an extensive whiskey, Scotch, bourbon menu. Oh wow! Um, and I tried Lafroy Quarter Cask for the uh, first time last that's night. Good stuff, isn't it? It is so good. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had Jen try it and she said it tasted like the bottom of a shoe. So she was not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but I, I, I quite enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, I said, Aaron, 
if Aaron was here, he would be able to inform me on the proper, uh, you know, drinks to uh, the proper whiskey or scotch to order. Well, you should take a picture of the menu and I'll uh, I can make some recommendations for you. I will do that next time. Absolutely. But yeah, the, you made a good choice. The Lafroy quarter cask is, is an excellent choice. We talked about that in length in one of our uh, three beers and a scotch episodes. Yeah, that's uh, why I brought it up because I remember yeah. us talking or well, you guys talking about it. Yeah. Well, you, you were there in spirit, Paul. In spirit. I'm always there in spirit. If there's alcohol involved, I am there. Yeah, we invoke the spirit of Paul. <laughs> the power of Paul compels you. That's right. Well, you know, it's 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 like the scripture says, Paul, when two or more spirits are, are consumed, Paul is with you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Every time a bell rings. <laughs> <laughs> An angel gets his wings. Did, did we uh, talk about the finale of Exorcist? I don't think we talked about it. I haven't it. watched it yet. God damn it. Literally. It I'm sorry. I'll watch it and we'll talk the next time about it. All right, sounds good. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you had the the, the Lafroig. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was tasty. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. I've been drinking uh, the uh, uh, La and sixteen. Okay. Over the holiday, which I bring up because, and this episode won't get released in time for folks to watch it timely, but. Uh, um, Oh gosh! Suddenly drawing a blank on his name. The guy from Parks and Recreation, uh, Ron Swanson. Oh, okay, yeah. Is doing has recorded a one hour one minute video of him drinking Lagavulin sixteen for you to time up. You should watch it. You should start watching it at ten fifty nine p.m. on New Year's Eve to hail in the new year. And it's available on YouTube. And it's hysterical. It's really him just kind of eye banging you. And drinking scotch. It is fucking hysterical. <laughs> I mean, from opening the bottle to draining the bottle, Ron Swanson drinking scotch to hail in your new year. <laughs> Have you seen that at all? No, no. It is. I'll put a link in the show notes because, uh, you know, it'll be up after after the holiday. But it is super hysterical. And, you know, it's kind of the thing. I put it on the uh, on the big TV at, at the house. Uh, kind of like you'd put it, put up the Yule log. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd really like it to just be a continual loop of uh, Ron Swanson drinking scotch. There you go. Well, you have all weekend, so you can start it after this program. That's right. And just watch it on continuous loop. There you go. <laughs> so big week. Um, you know, a couple things we wanted to start off talking about is that um, recently, Love Is Love, which is uh, a new anthology book. Uh, that that came out. Uh, I, I want to just kind of introduce what the book is. Um, it, comics writer Mark Andreco, um, the guy who worked on books like Batwoman and Manhunter, um, he brought in dozens of comic writers, artists, and other celebrities uh, for this book that benefits the uh, victims of the Pulse shooting uh, in Orlando, Florida. Um, it's a book published by IDW with assistance from DC Comics. Um, they also got permission to use characters from other companies. Um, I don't know if Marvel participated, but I do know Archie, Devils Do, like I said, IDW, DC Comics. Yeah. Um, a number of comics folks, uh, like almost, I don't know, 50 people, maybe more, um, contributed to this book, including J.K. Rowling. Um, you know, for the first time, her characters officially in a in a, in a comic book. Um and so we brought in a friend of Funny Books, Rob Hall, to do a review of the book for us. And we'll go to that review right now. Hey, this is Rob Hall. 
a one-time contributor to Ideology of Madness and currently the Geek Bear at geekbearsden.com. Uh, Aaron asked me to kind of give you my thoughts on Love is Love, the recent uh, collection uh, put out by IDW and DC Comics. Um, with proceeds going to the survivors, families, and victims of the Pulse nightclub shooting um, in Orlando, Florida back in June of this year. Uh, this is going to be a little rough because it's a pretty powerful book for me being the member of the community. Um, uh, but I wanted to make sure to kind of talk about it. It's uh, a really good cause. A lot of people were hurt from this and they can still use our support. Uh, the the list of people that contributed to this are, is pretty huge, and like Phil Jimenez, uh, Steve Orlando, Gail Simone, Dan Didio, Jonathan Hickman, David Mack. It's it's a huge list. The 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 works in the the collection ranged from just single pieces of art with absolutely no commentary, just kind of getting off their chest what they were talking about to one to two page stories that uh, either reflecting on how people function within the, the community how how people have dealt with this this tragedy uh, how people are trying to explain to their kids um, it, it runs the gamut um, there are characters that I mean I will freely admit that I am unfamiliar with but the stories and the art I just make me make me sad for both the the just the the pain that they communicate as well as sad and tears of joy with the the ability to face the 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 this pain and still go on uh, in particular there's the, the iconic picture that you may have seen on the internet of batwoman holding the american flag on one side and the pride flag on the other uh, there is a, a a point where they have batman in the like in several different frames just kind of dealing with the hate in each frame is a different color the 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 pride flag uh, there's a one-page story um, dealing with Zeus and that flows along with a, a Wonder Woman story um, just talking about Zeus being the, the no one has loved humanity more than him and that kind of goes through his list of what he's done and then places him there at, at the shooting and how he kind of overcomes it's it's both a hard book to read and a wonderful book to read because it's you're having to revisit this horrible time for us in the that community and and for me it it is it's like you get reminded that you aren't safe but then you also get reminded there are people out there that kind of give a damn um and so that that is a wonderful thing and that the proceeds from this book are going to to help out all that the pain and and suffering that's been put on there kind of helps kind of alleviate to some extent that pain so it's definitely something that I, I'm glad I picked up even though when I finished reading the book there's more tears than there were laughter 
uh, but it's good because it's both cathartic and joy uh, to kind of deal with it now after some time and and there are like little gems hidden within it the Dan Didio has a story where he actually addresses some of DC's own issues with doing stereotypes and mistreating the LGBT community in the past and hoping to do better one would hope um, so if you have time you should try to pick this up at your local comic book store it's called Love's Love and if they don't have it you should ask them why and if and then see if they can order it otherwise it's always available on Amazon or on Comixology and something that I highly recommend picking up um, just to be to do your to help out and to, to see some great art and some great stories so I didn't buy this book Paul and uh, I, I will is it available digitally? It is. Um, I don't it know. Is, I, I did, it, okay, it, I did not it, see it. It is available on Comixology, but there were a couple of reasons that I didn't buy it. Um, and the, the, my first reason was price. It's a $10 book. Um, but, you know, I, I, I have to say, I, when, the, when it came out, uh, uh, I asked Rob Hall. You know, I saw that Rob Hall had bought the book, so hey, I didn't have to buy it for him. <laughs> and, and and I said, hey, would you like to would you like to review that for the site? You know, because Rob has reviewed stuff for us many times uh, on the blog, and you know, he's like, absolutely so. You know, and you just heard his review. Well, after listening to his review, I was like, well, damn, I think I want it, but I, this is this is a, a weird thing for me, Paul. I don't want it digitally. I actually want that book in print because I want to get. I want to get it autographed. I want to uh, to get as many of the folks who contributed to that. You know, as I go to to cons and go to signings and whatnot, I want them to sign it. I want I want that book in print signed because I I think it's that important. I I think that it's that special. Uh, I've had the benefit of being able to read a couple of clips of it, like on the Comicsology mm-hmm. Comicsology preview pages. Uh, one of the things that Rob describes in his review is the Batwoman uh, one-pager uh, with her holding the pride flag and holding the American flag. And it's just a beautiful piece. Um, yes, yes, it is. And, and I'm, there, there are uh, – it's just – it seems like such a special book. And uh, so I, I want to <laughs> – I, I, am, I am hardcore a digital guy. Uh, but I'm going to buy that book in print. Now, here's the thing. That book is selling out all across the nation. Uh, yes. I have seen many, many shops who are like who, who have said we're sold out. Or what I find even even more interesting is that they they have enough for their walk-ins. What they don't have enough for are people to order online. You know, because some of these shops have you know o- online subscription services. Um, and mm-hmm. that, they, that, that for the, their folks who aren't regular customers, they don't have enough of. I'm sure this book will go into multiple printings, but I uh, found it really interesting that it is selling out. And I, and I just think that's fantastic. I mean, particularly when you look at that price point, because if this was just a regular old Marvel book, you know, we'd be bitching about the price. But uh, yeah. it is a great big, huge book. It's like a hundred and... Gosh, I'm trying to remember how many pages. I'm looking it up real quick. It is 160, 100, 160 pages for I mean, 10 that's bucks. That's a great paperback right there for 10 bucks. That's right. That's right. And that's not a bad price. Um, and the fact that it's no. going to charity. And what I've seen is that it's not just the proceeds from the book are, are, are going to the survivors of the, uh, the, the shooting. 
but many of the retailers are taking their percentage as well and donating it. And Fantastic. I think, awfully, I think that's awfully damn cool. So anyway, uh, many thanks to I Rob agree. Hall. Many thanks to Rob Hall for his review. Uh, appreciate that. A great deal. And uh, if you have had the opportunity to read Love is Love, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So let us know in the show notes or give us a call at 972-763-5903. So, Paul. Very cool. Yes, Paul, sir. You know, love is love, Paul. Love is love. But there is perhaps no greater love than between a man and his ape. I, I would agree with this. <laughs> Tarzan on the Planet of the Apes, number four, came out this week. And I, I got to tell you, you know, we have liked every single issue of this book. Mm-hmm. And I loved this issue, Paul. I loved this issue. Tell me you did, too. I really enjoyed it. I really did. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, we talked a little bit about how the first three issues. I mean, this book is not is not easily accessible. Right. And I feel that continues in this issue. I mean, it's it's almost something you have to read more than once to to make sure that you are following every aspect of the story between the time jumps and the flashbacks and, and you know the, the the way in which the story is told. It is definitely not your average crossover book. No, no, there there is nothing simple about this book. Uh, it's it's very complex storytelling. Uh, as we said in our in our last review of issue three, they don't spoon feed anything to you, right? No. Uh, and it requires that you have a strong knowledge of what happened in, in the Planet of the Apes series. I mean, this this is a book for fans. I think that if you did not have a a a strong knowledge of the Planet of the Apes continuity, you might be lost in this book. Yeah. But that said, I am that target audience. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, clearly they're writing this book for you, me, and Wayne, right? Uh, but man, I, I I absolutely loved this book from beginning to end. And what I find interesting about the book is that it, it seems like we completely moved past the war with the the uh, um, the Neanderthals and the uh, the intelligent dinosaurs, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you know, it, it looked. It seemed like we that just wasn't a big priority in this book. We're just, okay, they're gone. We move on. And that's not a complaint. I just found that interesting because it felt like we were really building to something there. And what we were building to is them moving through another gate uh, and moving into another world. Because there's been so much world hopping through this book. Uh, very surprising. Very surprising. And, you know, you expect that the characters of Tarzan and Caesar to be the primary characters, but Milo is really yeah. moving into a larger role in the book, which I also found surprising. Yeah, I think, I believe, I don't know, was this to be concluded, to be continued? I, I still don't know how many issues are in this series. It may be six, it may be five. Yeah, my guess um, is it's at least six. Uh, issue five is on sale the week of January 25th. Uh but uh, I, I, I really have no idea how many how many issues are in this series. It but feels like there's at least two more issues of story to tell. Yeah, that would be my guess. I, I think it's at least six issues. But I loved it. I loved it. I mean, I every single page, I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I love the fights in the book. I, I love the conversation going on between Caesar, Cornelius, and Zira in the book. Is just terrific. You know, I just I, I dig it. It's a great book. Absolutely. Great book. If you're if you're any kind of Planet of the Apes fan, pick it up. Well, and if you're any kind of Planet of the Apes fan, did you hear that um, War of the Planet of the Apes is actually going to have a strong connection? 
to the original series? No, I had not heard that. So apparently in the in the trailer that you see a, a little girl and I, I don't recall after rewatch the trailer, um, but the little girl in the trailer uh, has officially confirmed to be Nova. Oh, really? The original Planet of the Apes yeah, movie. Taylor's yeah. girlfriend. Taylor's girlfriend. But, yeah. you know, as a child. So the, the, it seems like I don't know if they're huh. if they're really trying to lead. It, it seems like they are actively trying to lead into that. I don't know that we're going to get a remake of those Planet of the Apes, you know, the original Planet of the Apes, or if they're just trying to um, lead into the original movie. Right. But uh, yeah, definitely that 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 tie is is starting in this uh, this coming movie. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you know, I've I I'm super looking forward to that movie. Oh yeah. I uh, I, I, it's, I I cannot wait for that movie. Neither can uh, I. Yeah. But uh, you know, Paul. Yes, sir. I you and I talked about Romulus number one a couple of weeks ago, and I had not read Romulus number two, and Romulus number three came out this week, so I read both books uh, yesterday. Uh, wait, tell me what you thought. Were you already caught up? Did you have to speed read through two, through two to get to three? Or yeah, so I so when issue when we reviewed issue one, it was because issue two had come out, right? Um, so I said, oh well, you know. So when issue three came out, I had forgotten about that fact, so I read both. <laughs> um, and so Romulus, if if you don't recall, is about the the order of Romulus and um, someone. Uh, the 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 character's name is Ashler Ashlar. Yes. Um, who is, you know, actively trying to take down Romulus, who have plans in place to kill five billion people in order to purify the world. And, um, you know, issues two and three, uh, well, issue two is really more about kind of getting the band together. So you understand who, you know, that it's not just Ashlar who's going to be leading the book, but you kind of get a better understanding of her supporting cast and, and yeah, folks like Scooby that. Who the Scooby gang is. Yeah, who the Scooby <laughs> gang of this book is. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and issue three kind of really delves into the, the order of Romulus as a whole and uh, Ashlar preparing to do battle with them. And Aaron, I love the hell out of this book. I did too, but but I I, I had a pro I had a couple of problems with this book. Uh, okay. First off, let me just say in issue two we're introduced to um, I forget it forget her name, but you know they refer to her as the butterfly. Yes, uh, forget the what's the character's name? Um, I don't even remember. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> but you know she's really her character is a pop star and really drawn very similarly to Taylor Swift. Um, and she is, you know, psychic. Uh, she can broadcast thoughts. She can read thoughts. Uh, she is part of this group called the Illuminati. I really liked that character. Yeah, Sozo, by the way. Sozo, thank you. Um, I really liked the character. I, I thought that that it was it was sort of ingenious uh, to draw her as Taylor Swift. Um, but we find in the book that you know Ashlar, whose mother was. You know the, the the big wolf. You know her. her she she re- regards her mother as sort of a superhero, right? Yeah. And you know her mother has trained her and prepared her for this life that she leads. Uh, you know her mother put on her the mission to save these billions of lives. You know to keep them out of the reach of uh, of Romulus. Um, and so. You know, her mother dies in issue one. In issue two, uh, you know, she meets uh, Sozo. And in issue three, she is she encounters a uh, uh, one of Sozo's compatriots in the Illuminati who is training her. And this is what I don't understand. Her mother had her entire life to train her. Why isn't she trained? 
why does she need this other person to make her a better fighter when we have established that women folk are better fighters than men folk? Yeah, yeah, I, I found that interesting. I, th- I thought I don't disagree with you. I thought that was an interesting choice that you know they they've established her as a strong woman, and then all of a sudden she needs this man to teach her. Um, and you know, which I was like, eh, kind of negates what you've been setting up. Um, but at the same time, I, I think they, they, they clarify that it's not that she's a bad fighter. It's that her emotions have gotten the better of her since the death of her mother. Right. And so, you know, she needs someone to help her calm those emotions. It just, it, it seemed you, you have a backstory where, where her mother has prepared her for this. And then you've got this other person who's like, yeah, but I've really got to prepare you for this. And it just – there's something about that that bugged me. Um, there are some parallels to Empire Strikes Back in, in this issue, in issue yeah. three. Uh, you know, there's very much the training sequence seems reminiscent of Luke on Dagobah with Yoda. Right? Yes. Um, and then if that wasn't enough for you, the training montage, it's the, the whole, well, you know – she knows that this guy Nicholas that she saved in issue one has been taken by Romulus and, you know, he is at risk. She feels she needs to, you know, quit her training to go save him. And, you know, her teacher is like, well, if you go now, this would be the wrong time to go and you'll probably ruin everything. And it's very much a Luke's decision to go see, to go save Leia and Han. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, did nobody else see this? <laughs> I, here's the thing. I'm sure it was a lot more intentional than yeah. uh, than, than we're giving it credit for. I'm sure it was intentional. I mean, that is that is such an iconic movie and such an iconic scene. There's no way they didn't know that. Yeah. So I mean, I I, I very much enjoy the, the 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 series so far. I mean, we're three issues in, and I'm really digging it. But I, that just annoyed me. Because it, it seemed like such, I don't know if that was homage or if it was, you know, hey, let's steal, steal those feels. Uh, I, I don't know. It just, it, it bugged me somewhat. I could see that. You know, one thing I do have to say about this book is that I feel like it is, ex- in addition to the art by Nelson Blake II, which is um, fantastic. I love the art on this book. I feel like there's a lot of strength in the dialogue and um character voices there is a tremendous amount to be said about the dialogue and the characterization mm-hmm. uh, the woman who appears to be the head of romulus yes uh, her dialogue is amazing they open up the book with her preparing what you realize is she's preparing to give a speech i thought she was just psyching herself up yeah you know and uh or to give an interview i should say and i just thought she was psyching herself up i didn't realize until later on in the book that she was actually rehearsing for the interview and rehearsing her responses Mm -hmm. uh but the her dialogue is so sharply written, and that's probably the strongest asset this book has. Is that Brian Hill is just writing the hell out of this book? Yes, um, and, and you know, not to not to uh, say not to disparage anything about Nelson Blake II's artwork uh, because it is it is fantastic. In fact, his rendering of uh, the CEO who is the big, who appears to be the big bad mm-hmm. uh, you know who's leading Romulus and she's you know overseeing this economic diversity fund uh, and I apologize her interview was an issue two not an issue three oh, you're, uh, you're right but I read both of them together so they seem like the same book mm-hmm. uh, but she her dialogue is so fantastic 
uh, and it's just a joy to read. In fact, I went back and I reread her the her preparing uh, twice mm-hmm. because I just I enjoyed those pages so much. And I will say that that was that was something that happened to me in issue one is that I enjoyed the narration yeah. so much. Uh, and I, I, the book is just ex- exquisitely written. You know, even though, like I said, I think it's trying to steal the feels. Uh, yeah, from Empire Strikes Back in certain places. You know, it just seems to me like they really. They they really are writing a movie here, and perhaps yeah. I don't know. You know, Brian uh, Brian Hill, uh-huh. uh huh, you know, has experience uh, writing movies uh, and and television shows. I think he's one of the writers on Ash versus Evil Dead. Um, so I mean, but this straight up feels like a movie. So Paul, I have a thought on something. Yes, sir. One of the things that I was going to fuss about in the book was uh, the sensei character. Uh, yes, he's a he's a white guy, you know, and yeah. you know he's a white man. Uh, there are a whole lot of white people in this book, even though Nicholas is African American, and we do have the the two big characters, the the you know the villain and the hero are both female. But one of the things that I was I was really noticing is that you know here you have this other very competent fighter, another very competent character in the book, uh, but he's a white dude. And so I was going to fuss about that, that, you know, hey, maybe there was an opportunity to, uh, you know, have some, some ethnic diversity in the book. But as I, as I look a little closer at it, I think that her sensei character is her brother. They look an awful lot alike. They have the same hair color. Uh, their, their eye color isn't the same, but their, the, the way their hair is drawn is not dissimilar. Hmm. And, you know, I, I, in, the, in the first issue, one of the key narration points was... I was born a girl, so I get to live. You could have a point here. What if, you know, we know that her mom didn't always do what she was supposed to do. What if uh, she had a boy before she had a girl and she let the boy live? I think, I, I honestly, I think that that is a thing. I think she has a secret brother. But you never know. I guess we'll find out in the next issue. Or so parallels to Empire Strikes Back continue. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's it is a fantastic book. Uh, I highly recommend it. So uh, I am definitely enjoying it, and we'll continue to pick it up. Very good. So, Paul. Yes, sir. Detective Comics number nine hundred and forty-seven, which uh, concludes the Victim Syndicate storyline. Um. Had a let's uh, let's not call her a villain, but a surprising complication in it. Yeah, um, you know, and, and I, I feel like it's okay to spoil this at this point because it's um, it's hard to talk about this book without referring to what happened in it, which is that Stephanie Brown has basically I don't she again she's she hasn't become villain, but she has certainly turned against Batman um, in well, her grief. She has certainly embraced her hero name, spoiler, because, yeah. uh, you know, Stephanie Brown, as the spoiler, uh, really tried hard to spoil the Batman operation. Yeah. Uh, you know, Batman has assembled this team in the pages of Detective Comics uh, where they are training up heroes, right, um, to, to fight back the night. So you've got Clayface. You've got Batwing. You've got uh, Cassandra Kane. Um, uh, I think I already said Clayface, but you've got the, the you, know, you you had Red Robin. You had spoiler on this. Red Robin is presumed dead. Yes, we'll talk more about that in just a moment. Uh, but they're training up this whole team to you know to 
to fill the the gaps that Batman can't fill. And with Red Robin having supposedly died several issues back, the team has been grieving. And, you know, it really does seem to me like the victim syndicate, the the group of bad guys who were uh, folks who have been injured in Batman incidences over the years, um, was really just a way to get to this book. Um, you know, you kind of see, oh, that's the, that's the mechanism. This is the device they fed us the spoiler storyline through, um, which is fine. Cause I, you know, while some of the pages of victim syndicate, I thought were a little slow. I thought this issue worked particularly well. Yes. Um, but you know, spoilers disgusted with what she feels Batman compelled Tim Drake to do. Uh, Red Robin, uh, that ultimately got himself killed. And she feels like, you know, if guys like Batman put up his cape and cowl, the police could handle all the bad guys. Which, you know, I'm sure uh, Jim Gordon w- might have something to say about. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, she and she makes a very strong argument, you know, in, in her, you know, when she has a discussion with Batman about how Tim would be in college, um, you know, and Clayface could get help. And instead of, you know being out on the street, uh, you know, def- fighting, you know, it, basically they would all have different lives and Batman's in defense is no, that's, that's actually not how it would have worked. <laughs> um, right. Right. You know, w- without, without heroes, the world would actually be worse and who, and their, their lives may be worse. Right. And, but you know, it, she definitely gives him something to think about. Yeah. I, you know, I, I she, it's a rare moment in which I feel like Stephanie Brown makes a reasoned argument, even though her, her argument is wrong. Yes. You know, uh, I usually can't stand Stephanie Brown. I thought she was used to great effect in this book. Yeah. Um, I and love- that she came across, you know, she, I will say, I know Wayne is a fan. Yes. But I think she was written a lot more intelligently than she normally is. I agree. In I that, agree. you know, she's like, you're talking to the person who helped Tim Drake do all this shit. And I'm like, but how? Like, I don't recall you being that freaking intelligent (laughs) (laughs) well you know and what i liked about it is that her intelligence didn't seem to pop up overnight what she did to take down uh so many members of the bat crew was that she used things that tim had programmed yeah right um you know so like there was the well what do we do when clayface ultimately goes bad here's what we do um, and so I thought all of that was used to great effect. I truly did. I, and it made sense that, that, you know, yeah, she wasn't the smart one to think it up, but she was smart enough to go pull those files from Tim. Yeah. And she knew because she had done, get, helped Tim a little bit, she knew how to get, how to access that data. And have you ever noticed that data seems to be Batman's big weakness? <laughs> really? You know, I mean, what, whether it's an OMAC <laughs> you know, brother, I or uh, or or, or uh, spoiler, uh, that always seems to be his weakness is too much information, which I think is kind of the point, right? I mean, right. He, but you know, the guy needs some better firewalls. Just putting that out there. So you know, the, the book ends with you know Stephanie Brown trying to blackmail Batman. You know, I will reveal all your secrets. You know, I have the ability right here on my iPhone to reveal all your secrets to the world unless you vow to hang up your cape and cowl and tell all your friends to do the same. And Batman won't do it. And, you know, they disarm her and find out that she really didn't have any of that queued up, that she wasn't really going to do it, but she really wanted to to push him to do it. Yeah. Um, she goes out and disables the bat signal <laughs> yeah. so that uh, the police can't call for help any longer. 
Um, and so she's still out there. Batman doesn't want to take her down. He's hoping that eventually she'll come to her senses, yada, yada. But we end the book with a few pages and panels of Red Robin, who you know we know survived the blast that everyone thought killed him in. Uh, and he has been prisoner of a mysterious individual that some of us think might be Ozymandias from the pages of The Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, and he engineers an escape, only to find out he didn't really engineer an escape. Uh, but, you know, we know that Tim's still out there. Tim's still trying to do stuff. And uh, I, I I am excited to see where that part of the story goes. I hope they just don't le- leave us out there too long with it. Yeah, I, I you know don't leave us waiting years for that one. Let's you right. know let, let's let's try to get that resolved in the next couple months. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I I, I, enjoy, I I thought Victim Syndicate ended better than I think it started. I agree absolutely. And, and, and it's a, it's a that, darn good book. It is a darn good book. I uh, I don't think they had to they had to create the Victim Syndicate tool. To bring us to this point with Stephanie Brown, um, I I kind of wish that uh, it had just been its own thing. I agree. I would agree with that. It but seems as, like there was an there's enough. It, like the Victim Syndicate didn't really add much to it. No, and you know all we have is just a new set of villains. Uh, I, I don't feel like that 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 there was a whole lot of story that says that makes me say, "Oh, I can't wait for more Victim Syndicate." <laughs> <laughs> you know, <sighs> so. Uh, we go from Detective Comics to Action Comics, number 970, uh, in which Superman is trying to save the wretched life of Lex Luthor. <laughs> the wretched life. The wretched life. I will say, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm really enjoying the fact that both of these books come out on the same week. Yeah. Um, just because they're, they're both well-written, you know, they're both damn near a thousand issues – you know that kind of thing. I, I just mm-hmm. I, I enjoy that. No, I agree. I agree. And I got to say, the variant cover for uh, Action Comics this week was super hot. Uh, the one by Gary Frank. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's got uh, Superman. You know, pulling open the the jail bars to free uh, Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a really a very powerful looking uh, image. So I liked it. So this is kind of the trial of Lex Luthor. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, Luthor is being held for crimes he has not yet committed. So, you know, if you're familiar with Minority Report, you understand the gist of what's going on here. This alien group has seen a future in which Lex Luthor takes the mantle of Dark Side of Apocalypse and kills millions, if not billions, of innocent souls across the galaxy. So, uh, they have decided, well, you know, we've got to put a hit out on, uh, on, uh, Lex Luthor and kill him before all this stuff can transpire. So enter Superman, who's like, wait, 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 you can't execute a guy for something that he hasn't done yet. And they're like, oh, really? Well, watch this. And so they make their case to Superman in this book, uh, demonstrating that, uh, Lex is really, a, a really terrible, terrible person and really should be put down. And Superman's like, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, well, that is kind of how the book ends, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you've got a point there. Go ahead and let's uh, let's kill this some bitch. Yeah, which you know clearly a setup, but uh, <laughs> oh no, I, I think Superman's down for this. Down, down with the murder. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. But so, Aaron, you didn't care for the last issue very much. I did not. I, it it felt like it was just kind of spinning its wheels. Yeah. Um. It was spending a lot of time with a character that I didn't much care about. Uh, you know, one of the one of the new characters in this in this story. Uh, but I thought this book was super strong. 
I, I I really enjoyed this, and the of course it benefits from the pages with Dark Side on it. Yes, and some beautiful you know renderings of Dark Side, and with Parademons and what all uh, we get to see some more backstory. Uh, I dug it. I thought this was a really strong book. I I liked the pages where we get to see John uh, John Kent at home with his uh, his little girlfriend. His little girlfriend, you know, and they're destroying the kitchen with with pizza and and soda and ice cream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I st- I'm I I don't know what I think about the B story going on between Lois and the other Clark Kent. I needed to have a I needed to have a satisfying resolution I, as soon as soon. I need this not to, me, to be dragging on. It, 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 I I'm not gonna lie. It feels like it's going nowhere. Yeah. And I, I really need it to be worth it because I'm not – it just doesn't feel like there's enough there for it to be this much of a mystery. Okay. So it, hopefully they will satisfy me with the ending of the storyline. Yep. And I'll be like, OK, OK. It was worth the journey. Yeah. No, I completely agree. But, but I, I, I thought this was good and it's, it looks like it's, it's you know ramping up to a big finish. I am excited about that. And Paul, can we talk about – uh, one of the back pages that were in the DC books this week. We can. The, it's the Kamandi 12 issue. Oh, uh, God. Yes. Uh, the 12 issue challenge. Yes. Featuring such talent as Dan Abnett and Dale Eaglesham, Pete Tomasi and Neil Adams, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor, James Tenya IV and Carlos, Carlos Dianda, Bill Willingham and uh, Yvonne Rice, and, and many, many more. Uh, it's a tribute to Jack Kirby's creation, Kamandi, uh, which is one of my favorite Jack Kirby characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and just these guys just drawn and writing the hell out of this character in, in what appears to be a 12-issue series. Yep. It's a, a round-robin story. So I think, you know, everyone kind of turned in their scripts or whatever. Yep. Or someone, tur- you know, one person handed their script to the next person. So it was, it's called the Kamandi Challenge. And so I, that the way, if I remember correctly, because they announced this a long time ago, was that it was like a round robin storytelling experience for them. Um, you know, it's it's got a cover, at least in the ad, by Bruce Tim. Yeah, that is freaking dynamite. Super hot. It is uh, super hot. I don't care if this book is six dollars. I don't know how much it is. Yeah, but I, I will buy the hell out of this first issue. Don't know. Don't care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you have talent here that's never worked in DC Comics. You have Kevin yeah. Eastman doing art on a story by Tom King. Yeah. Um, you know, Ryan Souk, Walt Simonson, um, Jose yeah. Luis Garcia Lopez doing yes. more art. I mean, that is With, great yeah. talent. Yeah, no, I mean, they're, all of these these uh, mashups, you know, you got uh, Marguerite Bennett working with Dan Jurgens. Dan Jurgens uh, on art for the first time in a couple of years now. Yeah, and Rob Will- Rob Williams writing for Walt Simonson. Yes, uh, I Lynn Ween writing for Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Uh, you know, all of these guys are superstars. Yeah, I can't. I mean, so let me. T- I'm just going to go ahead and, and crack up, crack open a preview for you, Paul. I will buy this book digitally, and I will buy it collected. Yes, I, I you know I know you and I talk all the time. Like, oh, I'm really not reading paper books anymore. But this is going to be such an art book. I'm gonna buy it. Yeah, I'm. I'm. It's going to be one of those absolute editions, and I know we talk about. Eh, you really don't need the absolute edition, but fuck, I'm getting this one. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it has to be packaged appropriately. Yes, right. Like, you know, don't give me just like a regular old, you know, normal size hardcover with a book that's of this caliber. 
Well, I can't wait for it to go. I, I, on my shelf right now, I'm looking from my desk over to my shelf. I have volumes one and two of Commandi by Jack Kirby, and they are the oversized hardcovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I absolutely love Commandi. Me too. I love, I love Commandi by Jack Kirby. I loved that uh, Elseworlds book that was Commandi at Earth's End. Uh, I mean, I just I fucking love this character. I always have. I always have. And I just, oh. God, this is just scratching me right where I itch. Yes, I am super psyched. It doesn't have the only thing. It doesn't have a date. No, on when it will be released. Uh, but here's the thing: uh, I'm hopeful that they have learned their lessons from uh, Sandman and Dark Knight Three, and no. we're actually going to get a book that's released on time. And the fact that it's not the same creative team on each issue, right. Um, right. I feel like we're going to be fine here. That would be my guess. That would be my guess. Since you, since it's only one art team per book, mm-hmm. uh, I would think that that we're going to be just fine. Yeah. Uh, first issue is on sale January twenty fifth. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man, I can't. I cannot wait. Same here. Wait. So one last book we wanted to talk about this week was Justice League versus Suicide Squad number two, um, and you know we wanted to talk about it because there's not that much to say about it, um, <laughs> and, and I feel like that in and of itself so is, is welcome to thirty seconds of dead air. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I feel like that's kind of the point that I wanted to make in this book is that not terribly much happens. Um, you know, we, we're now on issue two of the fight sequence. And, you know, I'm very I will say at least I'm thankful that it's released weekly. So having two issues of a fight sequence isn't going to be as much of an issue as it would be if it was a monthly book. Yeah, Um, because really the first two issues probably were one issue of an of a of a normal book. Um, You know, it was basically just Justice League meets Suicide Squad. The second issue is the big battle between them. Right. And then Justice League is captured. Yep. Wonderful art by Tony Daniel. Um, yeah, the, art, the, the art's pretty hot. You know, Killer Croc versus Aquaman was pretty cool. I did think there was something interesting in here, and I feel like it was intentional. Now, you're reading the Aquaman book, right? Uh, I am, but I am several issues behind. Because oh, Killer Croc says, what, after what you did to me in Amnesty Bay, I stay as far away from you as I can, Aquaman. And Aquaman goes, Amnesty Bay, have we met before? And I feel like that's alluding to something. Right. It seems a little too... You know, a little too obvious for it to be like, you know, like, is are we are we dealing with some type of rebirth esque, you know, missing years, missing time frame thing? Like, what's right. going on here? Right, right. So I, I, you know, I wonder if we'll we'll see this play into the rebirth storyline a bit more than we originally thought. Maybe. But that's really all I had to say about it. It's just that it, it feels like you know not much has happened in the first you know the, the first two issues really could have been condensed into one. But looking forward to issue, I'm still on board for issue three. I uh, I was annoyed by the fight sequence between the League and Suicide Squad because you know of course you know Deathstroke not Deathstroke Deadshot Deadshot has yep. you know says oh here's the way we do it we got to split them up right. But why would the League have let them choose who they're partnering up with? You know, Superman is smart enough to know he really can't take a magic user. Yeah. Particularly this Superman. He knows that magic is his weakness. And so why he would pair off with Enchantress, is that her name? Yes. Uh, Why he would pair off with Enchantress is beyond me. Um, It seems to me like the thing to do, you know, is to have Superman immediately take out one of the lesser guys so that the the other 
heroes of the league can double up. Yeah. And have anybody other than Superman take Enchantress. Because in the battle, Superman is the only one who lost his battle. Like, they all uh-huh. split up and had, you know, one-on-one battles. Superman is the only one who lost his battle. Like, right. I feel like Superman probably could have taken on Killer Croc or... Well, Killer Croc, taken, I get the water thing. He could have taken, uh, you know, any of them. Any of them. Except Enchantress. Yes. And that's what frustrated me about it, is that, you know... This Superman in particular, we're not talking about the new 52 Superman anymore. We're talking about Rebirth Superman, right? And Rebirth Superman has, you know, years and years and years of experience. He knows better. And that's what what frustrates me is that we made him stupid for the sake of the story. And I just, it bugs the shit out of me. And I, you know, I understand what the writer is trying to do, but, but why do that? I agree. You know, I, I just doesn't make any sense. But, so anyway, that, I found that frustrating. It's not frustrating enough for me to stay off the book, but uh, uh, you know, we'll see how the next issue goes. I will say that I started watching Suicide Squad this week, the movie. Oh yeah, uh, I haven't finished it yet. I'm only about an hour into it. But uh, oh my god, I hate Viola Davis. <laughs> <laughs> did you not see it in theaters? I did not. Oh, okay. I did not. Uh, I didn't have time to go see it at the movie theater, and uh, you know, it really. Those aren't my characters. I'm not. I've never been a big Suicide Squad fan. Yeah. Um, and there are parts of the movie that I'm enjoying. There are parts of the movie that I really hate. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big Viola Davis fan uh, as far as this role. Yeah. I. Uh, oof. Oof. So. Anyway. So. Anyway. <laughs> you know. So Suicide Squad was one of the biggest movie releases of 2016. And you know we had a lot of good things in 2016 and some not so good things i mean i enjoyed batman versus superman i enjoyed you know civil war and i'm referring to movies but we also had some wonderful comics um you know we're gonna have a 2016 2017 wrap up you know wrap up uh show we're gonna have our annual funnies here in in about two weeks i think something like that yes um but what i wanted to ask you just a brief brief conversation is what are you looking forward to in 2017? Uh, Besides Commandy many, Challenge, obviously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Commandy Challenge. That's going to make 2017 worth living for. Uh, <laughs> um, I Beyond looking, uh, being excited about more 299 comics, uh, I, uh, hoping that that trend continues with DC, um, I, you know, I, I think one of the things I'm really looking forward to is just more wonderful stuff from DC Comics. DC Comics has really been my publisher of 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I am almost completely out of Marvel books and their current continuity. Um, I, I'm really enjoying what's going on over at DC. That said, what I really hope that they do before the end of 2017 is resolve the rebirth drama. You know, we, yeah. we, we've got some stuff going on behind the scenes with we know Dr. Manhattan and perhaps Ozzy Mendias. Uh, I, I'd like to see that resolved before the end of the year. I don't want to draw that out unnecessarily. Well, I think Rebirth was planned as a two-year arc. Mm-hmm. Um, so while I don't necessarily need it wrapped up, I certainly would like it um, a, a significant move forward with a progression towards a conclusion. Yeah. Um, you know, I want those characters revealed to be who they are. I want, you know, this, um, Clark Kent mystery resolved. I want some of that stuff to occur. I don't want us to spin our wheels for a year, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and I say that, but ultimately they, they, they are taking steps forward, um, a little bit at a time. They, they, you know, the, the story hasn't been stagnant, 
Um, it's just, you know, un- w- releasing biweekly books, sometimes even though it's only been three months, you're getting six issues right. of a, of a storyline. So that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I agree with you. DC Comics, you know, was definitely the publisher of the year for me in 2016. Looking forward to seeing what they have in 2017. And yeah. to your point, I really hope Marvel gets their shit together for 2017 because, you know, I – I will. I will say I'm not terribly missing buying Marvel books. I'm not either. But man, you know, I mean, but I would. I wouldn't mind getting back into Captain America or Spider Man or some of those characters that I haven't yeah. enjoyed in a while. Well, you know, I, I would love. I'd love to be excited about an Avengers book. I'd love yeah. to be excited about a Fantastic Four book. You know, which is currently not in print. Um, I, I I'd like for them to come back and. Marvel seems to have moved away from some of the things that I love about it. You know, uh, Marvel has moved away from its own continuity in, in a number of respects. And that's the thing I love about DC. DC has really returned to honoring its roots. There was a period where they where they drove away from it in New 52. Yeah. Right? Uh, but now they're very much going, no, no, we're embracing this. I mean, the Commandi Challenge, for instance. Yeah. I mean, that is all about honoring your roots. I want to see some of that over in Marvel. I want something there to excite me again. I don't know what that is. I honestly, I don't. I don't know what it is that's going to bring me back to Marvel. But right now, I'm just. I, I look at their books. There was a tremendous sale that Comicsology had, um, and with the exception of buying some books from a long time ago, I didn't jump in on it because none of the none of the new storylines over at Marvel interest me at all. Um, and that, that that hurts me because I'm a longtime fan of the Avengers. I'm a longtime fan of Spider-Man and these other heroes. Uh, I just – there's nothing over there that interests me. I'm just not a big fan of the current status quo on a lot of those characters. Yeah. Um, to the point that I haven't picked up even any of the crossovers. Usually I'll give the right. crossover a shot. I haven't picked right. up any of the last three crossovers, maybe four or five. Anything since yeah. Secret Wars, honestly. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I maintained – you know, back when it was happening, that Infinity and Secret Wars was a good jumping-off point, and so far I stand by that decision. Yeah, um, I've really not bought anything current continuity from Marvel other than a few one-offs uh, since that happened. Yeah, and and I hate that. I mean, I I feel like I've, I've given something up, but I you know I, every time I try something fresh over there, I'm like, eh, eh. Mm. <laughs> you know. Uh, I, so I, I would love to see Marvel interest to me again yeah uh, and right now the interest that i have in marvel is in their films yeah which is you know so it's funny that brings me to what i'm looking forward to in 2017 which is i hope dc gets their shit together in the movie side yeah. um you know i enjoyed batman versus superman i enjoyed suicide squad i understand why people didn't mm-hmm. i am hopeful that dc has learned their lessons um licked their wounds um, you know, the stepped up creative roles for Ben Affleck and Jeff Johns uh, seem to be pointing out in the right direction. Um, I'm hopeful that we will see strong uh, films in Wonder Woman and especially Justice League, because if they don't, that that universe is screwed. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I'm really hopeful for Justice League. Justice League has to be a fantastic movie. Um, if D, if the DC Cinematic Universe has any hope of of continuing beyond 2017, agreed, agreed. Yeah, I'm you know uh, I'm looking forward to, to fresh uh, you know Marvel films. Looking forward to the next Star Wars movie. Yeah, um, you know I, <laughs> I I I feel like we should be grateful that we're getting one a year. There's a part of me that feels like we could probably do with two a year, <laughs> 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 but that's just me being greedy. Um, I. I am eager for uh, 
for Iron Fist on Netflix. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I hate that, that it was, I think it was just a one-day offering. But uh, yesterday on Comixology, on December 30th, they gave the first volume of Ed Brubaker and Matt Fraction's Iron Fist away for free. And, I mean, I told everybody that I could about it. And, and I think I was responsible for at least 10 or 20 people going out there and getting uh, – uh, getting Iron Fist for free yesterday because, man, that's a good book. Yeah. It's a fantastic book. And I suspect we'll see elements of that in the Netflix series. I am hopeful. If they, they would yeah. be, it, they, it would be foolish of them not to draw on that story. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, lots of, lots of stuff to look forward to, especially in movies. You know, we've got the Universal Picture Cinematic Universe starting with The Mummy. We've got War of the Planet of the Apes. We've got. You know, Thor, we've got Logan, Wonder Woman, Lego Batman, Kong, Skull Island, Alien Covenant, Spider-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, Justice League. Um, you know, there's there's so much coming in 2017, and I, I am hopeful that we will have a good year. Um, you know, 2016 was a good year, but there were definitely some bummers in the summer. Um, it was actually a relatively weak summer. I think in 2016. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful that 2017 will uh, will do better. Well, and in 2017, we get more Knights of Rainsboro. Yes. So, uh, you know, I know, I, I know folks have been asking when more Rainsboro is going to happen. We, we uh, you know, teased, teased things with uh, Knights of Rainsboro's Christmas special that we released just a few weeks ago on the feed now if you want to go check it out. Uh, we have recorded about four episodes of season four. Uh, we don't want to begin releasing them until we're back to recording. We've had an extremely long hiatus uh, due to somebody's work schedule, Paul. What? Yeah, somebody's work schedule. What the fuck, Paul? Huh. Yeah, it was my work schedule. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, we're getting back to it. Uh, I expect us to be back on the mics here in the next two weeks or so to record. And once we're back active again, we can uh, start uh, releasing episodes. We just didn't want to have a situation where we released what we had and then there was a huge gap uh, to, to resolve the story. Cause I think that's kind of a cheat. So, yeah. uh, we, we, I, I don't necessarily need to have them all in the bag, but I'd like to have the preponderance of them in the bag before we start releasing. So that is coming again. We've already got four episodes recorded. We also have some other things like we've got the season four sandbox. We've got, um, uh, the season three wrap up, all of which we'll begin releasing once uh, we're ready to ramp up to season four. So that is coming. And I would expect, I was talking to a fellow online yesterday I kind of expect that if we're able to get back on the horse in January, we'll be able to start releasing in February. Woo, so, very exciting. Yeah. So, so fingers crossed. All right, so sir. Light a candle, kill a chicken, do whatever you need to do to, to bring us that good juju. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we will plow ahead with Knights of Rainsboro. So, Paul? Yes? It was nice uh, closing out 2016 with you today. You too, buddy. Yeah. Well, yeah. happy new year to you. Happy New Year. I want you to go out there. You know what, Paul? I want you to go out there and make it a great new year. I will do my best. You do the same. All right. Thanks, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. 